You're not trying to be favored by God. You already have favor. But if we do not renew our mind to what the word of God says, we'll take an unmerited gift and think we have to earn it. Now, I have to be honest. If you can't earn the grace of God through good works, then you cannot lose the grace of God through doing things wrong. Because whatever way it took to obtain it is the same way it has to be done to lose it. And if I believe that my mistakes have disqualified me from walking in God's favor, from walking in God's blessings, I will not have strength. I will not see everything God has already provided for me. And I will not have peace. And so Satan wants to get into the mind of the Christian that you are not good enough for God to love you. The word says that we are to rightly divide the word of truth. Another word for truth is grace. Another word for truth is Jesus. Another name for the word is Jesus. Rightly dividing Jesus. Because if we do not, we will not walk in peace. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. As you're going there, that flow chart, what I also want to let you know is if you said God gave it to you, it should bring you peace. So let me talk about these Christmas gifts real quick. The Lord blessed me with this new car. Ooh, ain't the Lord good. Well, if you got a note, that wasn't the Lord, that was you. Y'all didn't like that one. Okay, that's fine. I'm not going to back down, though. Whatever God, whatever you say God has given you, it should accompany you with peace. You're going to force relationships because you said the Lord gave it to you. But if you ain't got no peace, because when you don't have peace, you won't walk in what God has provided for you. When you walk outside of what God has provided for you, it zaps your strength. If it zaps your strength, you will not operate under grace. It's making sense. All right. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, verse two. It says grace and peace. Be what? Multiply to you in the knowledge of God. And of Jesus our Lord. So, what this is saying here is the more you know of Jesus, the greater level of grace and peace you see in your life. I liken this to having an ATM filled with money to the brim. Till it overflows. But if you do not know the pin to access the ATM, you can shout, you can cry, you can roll on the ground, you can cry out, 
and you can confess all day long, but that money still won't be in your hand. But when you know the pen that gives you access to what is provided to you, then you never have to be in a place of want ever again. Jesus Christ and his finished works is that pen that access what you already have. And so anytime I say, I do not feel like God has graced my life, I am not sensing his peace in my life, it's because your focus has, has now left what Christ has already provided for you. And this is a subtle shift because we have to pay attention to what we listen to. And we have to go to the word of God and see what it says for ourselves. Just like with an ATM pen, if one number is off, you're not accessing what belongs to you. I don't care how close it is to the actual pen. And so if you have slight truths that you think you know, go ahead and go back to them yet again so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's why it's important for all of us as we read the word, to read the word in the light of what Christ has already provided. The title of tonight's message is just simply Grace and Peace. Grace and Peace. Really simple. Because I want, and I believe this is my life's calling, to share the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's provided to not only the world, but to his children. Because I don't believe you should go another day another month, another year without accessing everything that belongs to you. But the barrier that exists in our mind is what limits us from walking in what already belongs to us. Us giving self-limiting statements saying what we do not deserve limits us from walking into what you already have. Telling yourself you're not worthy to receive this promotion, you're not worthy for anyone to love you, limits you and causes you to keep yourself in a prison that Christ has already freed you from. Grace is God's enablement, but peace is a calm confidence in the finished works of Christ. We may say, how do I know I'm in peace? You're calm. You know, anxiety is not normal. Worry is not normal. Worry is an indication that I've taken my focus off of what Jesus has done. Getting tense, getting afraid says that I am not focusing where I should. Let's go to slide number two. So grace and peace is available to every Christian. But the grace and peace that we experience is equal to the proper response to the finished works of Christ. Now I want to ask you all a statement. Have you ever heard people say, you know, life is 10% what happens, 90% in what? How you, how you respond, right? Well, I want to submit this to you. The quality 
of your Christian life is not about what you've received through grace, but it's in your proper response to what Christ has already done. Let me say that again. The quality of your Christian life is determined by your proper response to the finished works of Christ. Let me sit right here just a moment because I'm getting looks like. Explain this one. Can we talk about faith for a second? All right. I personally believe that grace is the most important message to the world. I also believe that faith is the most important message to the Christian. Notice the difference? Grace is the most important message to who? Faith is the most important message to who? All right. Faith is a response to how much we believe God loves us. Anybody ever heard in Galatians, faith works by? No, that's Romans 10. In Galatians, faith works by love. You guys heard that before? All right. When we say faith works by love, sometimes the thought that comes to our mind is faith works by our love walk. So if I'm not walking in love, then my faith doesn't work. Anybody ever heard that before? All right. Can we, can we have a test real quick? Can we take a common sense test? When you got born again, did it take faith? By show of hands, it took faith. By show of hands, you believe that. It took faith for you to get born again, okay? How many folk were you not walking in love with before you met Christ? But were you able to still get born again? So faith works by love, but it's about God's love, not your love. And when you truly believe that God loves me, in spite of me, it causes you to be confident in what he said to you. But if I'm constantly checking on, am I right? Am I wrong? Is God going to come get me? Is he going to take me out? Is he coming to snatch me up? Is he making a list and checking it twice, coming to find out who's naughty or nice? Then it's going to limit my faith. And so our responsibility after we become born again is to create not just any response, but a proper response to Jesus Christ. Because if my faith is based in I am confessing these scriptures, I am serving where I need to serve, and I'm living this good life to get God to do something for me, then I am in unbelief that it's already done. So when we start our 21-day fast in January, we are not fasting for God to do anything. We are not fasting for God to move because he's not the one that's stuck. (laughs) 
What we are doing when we fast is quieting the voice of our flesh down that is unrenewed saying that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough to quiet that voice down to become a part of the voice of our spirit that says that I am equipped, that I am called, that I am accepted in the beloved. And so what happens is during 21 days of fasting, typically you see the church has miracles everywhere. Well, that's not based on because the church was fasting. It's because the entire church was aware to how good God has been to them, that God would never leave them, that God would never forsake them, that God is standing with them and they are being moved by the peace of God, which came from the grace of God that gives them a calm confidence that no matter what this report says, no matter what I'm believing, that God has already made a way for me to walk through it. So all I have to do is rest in what he said. So anytime I am responding for God to do anything, that is not the correct response. So it's not about am I in faith. It's am I in faith believing how much God loves me and that it's already done and I'm just receiving the wisdom to walk this out. Let's go to verse 3 and prove this out in Scripture. Did I read verse 2 yet? Okay, verse 3. Watch this. As his divine power has given to us how many things? Hmm, interesting. That pertain to this life and the word godliness means in how to live like God. So because of his grace, which produces peace, based in my proper response to the finished works of Christ, I will realize that because of what Jesus has done, I have God's divine power. And that because I have his divine power, he has already given me everything that pertains or that I need for this life and how to live life just like God. Is God sick? Is God broke? Is God sad? Is God depressed? Do you have what God has given you? So that means that you're not sick. That means you're not broke. That means you're not depressed. That means that you are free from sin. That means you are free from sickness and you are free from poverty right now. But if I do not have any knowledge of what Christ has already done, I will not walk in what belongs to me. It's not because you don't have it. It's because you don't know how to access it. Right now, everything you worried about belongs to you. Right now. The thought that I was thinking about as I was meditating this message Do you know God only has us to put faith in things that are already done? Selah. God only has us to put faith in things that are already done. God has you putting your faith on things 
that are already created, that already belong to you. Glad y'all are so excited about this. And then he gives you the power by his grace to stay in faith for what he's already given you. This making sense? Okay, amen, y'all. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but when I totally believe and have a calm confidence of what God has already provided for me, I then operate from a place of peace within. We cannot have peace on the outside until there's peace on the inside. Most of us want circumstances to change without changing our vantage point from within. As of late, I'm just going to tell them myself because I'm taking the small group leaders through this journey this first semester um, in January to April, but I've gone through an emotional healing process. And I've been, and, it, and it's not a destination, it's a process. So it's not something that you say, I have arrived, I don't need to do anything else. No, it's a daily process. And as I've been going through this emotional healing process, the first step is to acknowledge that you need help. <laughs> acknowledge that you still need the grace of God. Because I realize that my life in ministry, my life in church, has created a level of dysfunction within me that had me looking at others crazy. And I always went around thinking everybody else had the problem and everybody else needed to change until I began to focus inward to what Christ has already provided and realized there's a level, of, uh, there's a level that I'm not believing in what God has already given me concerning this life and godliness. Anytime you're insecure about anything, you're doubting in the purpose and plan that God has already downloaded within you. And so our environments that we grow up in, that we serve in, tend to become competitive. Tend to be, I'm going to show you. Tend to become money-driven. Tend to become hired people rather than servants because of a level of emotional pain that we refuse to deal with. And until we focus on what Christ has already done, we will not be able to begin the healing process that starts from within because we can only give others what we possess. And we have to focus on God's grace that produces his peace his calm confidence in our life. And it's from that that we filter everything else that's going on. If you're always on edge, always nervous, always backbiting, you have a problem. And I realized that when I began to heal me, no one else had a problem. When I began to identify the shortcomings within me, no one else had any problem. But we have to identify the things that we know, the things that we've been taught, and wrong ways of thinking that rob us of our peace. 
If you look in yourself and you say defeating things to yourself, you are your number one fan defeating you. Comedian said at one time, self-esteem is how you esteem yourself. And if nobody else believes in you, you better believe in you. And the only reason why we'll attack others is because we have a low self-image of us. But when you're confident in what God has given you, and that he's not an Indian giver. He don't give you his grace and take it back because he's moody. If you can change God's mood, that would make you God. God ain't studying you. (laughs) He loves you. Let's go to Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I I feel a, a shift tonight. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Any culture that you want to influence, you first have to become. I cannot say I want a culture that loves everybody and I don't love everybody. Bring it home. I can't say I want a church that does good to others and I'm constantly talking bad about people. You know what I'm saying? This is the core, the strong group that's here. And those of you that are listening, you're strong as well. But those that are here tonight, I look around the room and I see leaders. I see people with years of church experience. I see years of leadership experience. I see professionals all in this room tonight. And the only way that you can influence your culture is by choosing to be a person of grace and peace by focusing on what Christ has already done for you. Now, tonight's not the night, but if I had an opportunity, we would talk about the history of Christianity for the black church since the inception of America, and I would begin to detail for you why we have such a crab mentality within our churches. After I detail why we have such a crab mentality within our churches, I would then show you how the churches that spun off of these slave churches took what they heard from people who kept them in bondage, didn't choose to read anything, but just repeated what they heard and passed that tradition down through generations. And so we've had a lot of church, but not a lot of folk coming to meet Jesus. Then I would take an opportunity and have us all sit down together and I would just identify with the super spiritual people that just always got something to say about sister and brothers such and such and show you that you and your top five sins don't measure up to the 613 rules God has together. So you might as well not talk about others and just work on getting you right. So we wonder why sometimes in our churches we can't do small groups. Sometimes people want small churches. And when they get together, it becomes more about what we're cooking than who we're serving, which is Jesus Christ. Man, that was a spoken word line right there. Oh, my God. 
So Matthew chapter 8 is where Jesus is introducing to a group of people who have been bogged down by religion, bogged down by structure that squeezes the life out of what God said. And he's introducing to them a life of grace and a life of peace. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, Jesus says here, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden. If you ever feel like you are at the point of burnout for serving, you're doing something the Lord didn't ask you to do. And you do not get an extra star on your crown in heaven for doing extra assignments you ain't want to do in the first place. But because we're afraid to set boundaries, be because we believe that people are going to treat us differently, because deep down inside we believe based off of what we do that God treats us differently, we accept all these different responsibilities that we don't have no business accepting to the point where we're so burned out that we don't have time to spend with our family, time to see our children, time to just love people and do the word instead of just talk about the word. We have to get to a point where what I'm able to give is what I'm able to give. And when I'm here, I'm giving you 100%. And when I'm done, I'm going home, so don't call me. But we cannot get to a point where we got this superman and superwoman complex. Jesus Christ came to save the world. But if you cannot think it in your mind that you cannot save the world, you're going to burn yourself out having a Messiah complex. When you have a Messiah complex, then you start thinking that you're the standard and that no one else is holier than you. Anytime you think that you're holier than someone else, that's called being self-righteous. Self-righteousness is worse than unrighteousness. So you have to say, I am who I am because of the grace of God. And it was because of him and me that has picked me up, that has called me to do what I'm doing right now, that has enabled me to stand before you. If it's not because of that, we have the wrong motive. So we got a lot of bickering and fighting because y'all tired. Don't you know when you, you're moody because you're sleeping? Learn how to set proper boundaries and do only what the Lord told you to do. And go take care of your family. At the end of the day, I don't want to be nan known for nothing I did at Linked Up Church. I want to be known by that woman that I was the best husband on this side of her. Period. Because at the end of the day, can I just be transparent because I'm out here anyway. In the last five years of marriage, I have been under five different leaders, but I've had one wife And if I sacrifice her for what I say my calling is, when that's quote-unquote taken away because organizations change their mind, who do I have to turn to other than God? 
sever relationships because of a doggone organization. You are called to be a part of the body of Christ. And God does not have 250 bodies. He has one. And if you name the name of Jesus Christ, that is your brother, that is your sister, and you treat them as such. So Jesus is saying, come unto me, all you who are heavy late or who labor and are heavy laden. And he says, and I will give you rest. Rest is the cure for the racing mind. Our mind is always going, always thinking about what we got to do. What's next? Got to do this. Got to Sometimes I need to sit down and rest and learn of him. He says, take my yoke upon you. So when we talk about rest, we're not talking about not doing anything because there's a yoke associated with this. What it's saying here is take only what I asked you to take. This, this is the funniest thing about being in full-time ministry. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Can, I, can I give y'all a funny story? Just funny things out here, 10 years, real, real fun. Uh, you know, I, I just don't feel like they utilizing my gifts in the ministry in the way that I believe they should. Then you get an assignment, whoo, this church got me working, Jesus. <laughs> Only thing that revealed is you have an attention deficit disorder where you want people to give you attention. Why am I so bold tonight? What is going on? I need to have burritos before church. Like, I'm, I'm getting... <laughs> and so Jesus goes on to say, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Wait a minute, Jesus? He meek? Meek is not weak. Meek is... Strength under control. You know, in marriages, both of y'all have to be meek. Extremely meek. Because typically in a marriage, the wife is more intuitive than the husband, meaning she senses stuff. See, look, see, just judgment, judgment. <laughs> She senses before she sees. Man, we work off of logic. So if we don't see it, we ain't sensing it. So it don't exist. And what typically happens is we bust our head. And the wife has sensed it the whole time. And we bust our head and we say, baby, I didn't even know that was there. See, meekness in that situation is not the wife saying, see, look, uh-huh, see what I told you, see, huh? Huh? Just go ahead, bust your head. Just bust your head. See, your head bleed. I told you, could have avoided all that. No, meekness is, babe, I know we missed it. But we are in this together because we walk down that aisle and say, we do.
and vice versa. Men, meekness in the marriage is undivided attention. Because I know you are smart and all-powerful and can multitask. But when your wife is talking to you, that's when all tasks come to an end. And you focus all of that multitasking ability to catch all those different conversations she's about to have with you. And so Jesus is saying that he's meek, he's lowly, or he's humble in heart. Servant leadership. Every day, couples wake up and ask each other, how may I serve you today? It practices within you an attitude of humility because it don't matter who bring in the bacon because if the fire leave your marriage, y'all ain't got nothing no way. So there's a humility that comes from learning of Christ. And as I was going through my emotional healing, the one thing that stood out is we must develop a consistent word and prayer time. Consistent. And however long that is for you, that is consistent for you. And one thing about spending time in the word, don't get in condemnation when you hear me say how long I've been spending time in the word. That's my relationship with my Jesus. You need to talk to Jesus for yourself. And however long that is, that's how long that is. But be consistent with it. But spending time in the word creates an appetite for being in the word more. And so before you know it, you'll effortlessly be in the word for hours at a time. But start where you're at. But the more we spend time in the word and we take up his yoke and we learn of him, he is going to ask us to examine three things. While we're spending time in the because I know, I know folk in here, I know, and those of y'all listening, I know, you got your Bible plans, your devotional, and typically when I ask folks, do you pray daily? Oh, yes, I pray daily. And, 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 I, and I know you do that, and I'm not knocking that. But it comes a point in time where it's time out for information, more time for transformation by the information that we receive. It's not about you completing the Bible or Bible study plans, but it's what you're reading transforming you to cause you to be better than you were the day before. Just like any relationship, if I become stagnant in my walk with God, I'm going to open the door for things that I thought that I had left from. But we have to spend daily time in the word to allow the word to transform us. And the way that we are transformed is while we're reading, identify what angers you. Identify what irritates you. And ask yourself the honest question, why does this anger or irritate me? What you will discover is that it's not what the people did but it's the things you thought you passed that are arisen by people's behaviors triggering things that were dormant. See, the problems that we think we're having are the things we don't like about us. Romans 2.1 says, whatever I judge you for is what I'm guilty of myself. Because to the pure, all things are pure. And when you notice something, that means that not only do you pray for them, but check that within you. 
The second thing that you'll notice while you're taking time to, to learn of him and take upon his yoke is you're able to then examine your daily routine. Am I being active or am I being productive? Two different things. Christian activity is not always good. Because you can serve to the point that when you leave here, you act just like the devil. Y'all act like, okay. But you have to ask yourself, am I being productive with my time? A good indicator is if I cannot get consistent in my word time, I'm too active, not productive. I'm wasting my time somewhere or with someone. You can ask yourself during consistent word and prayer time, does my spouse get my full attention or am I constantly doing other things? Am I present in the moment? Because you can be reading and thinking about what you have to do for the day. And now it becomes activity rather than focusing on what you're reading and allowing it to be productivity. The final thing is, am I, when you're spending consistent word and prayer time, am I taking at least 24 hours a week as a break from what my career or job or occupation is? 24 hours a week. Do I have that as free time? And what I mean by free time, am I able to go out with my family? Are we able to walk around the mall together? Are we able to walk downtown? Are we able to go see Christmas lights? Do we have time to have family dinner? At least once a week. And being active versus being productive is robbing the body of Christ of their peace, which God has provided to us by his grace. When you submit to God 24 hours out of your week to spend time, whether it's in recreation, family time, etc., you need those 24 hours. Trust me. But what you're saying to God is you can do more with this time then I can. And so I'm trusting you to make everything right. Gonna be honest. I failed at all these things I was telling y'all. Especially the one, am I giving my wife my undivided attention? And I thought being the minister that I am, I was reading it, and I, you know how you read and just think you're gonna hear a yes and you just keep it moving? And I said, babe, do you believe I'm giving you my undivided attention? Well, no, not really. And so, uh, babe, do you, wait, 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 what? And immediately I became defensive. Like, surely not me. I'm never wrong in this marriage. But I realized that I need to be meek and lowly and see things from her perspective. 
Because I can justify and say, well, I'm the one that's doing this and I'm the one that's doing that. You should let me do what I feel like doing. But that's not humble. Say, babe, what, 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 what did I do? I need to adjust that. And she began to list that out. And I'll just tell her myself, I gave more energy to church work than I did to housework. Because I worked so hard at church, when I came home, I just veg out on the sofa. And if I continued to do that, I saw years down the road where my marriage was going to be busted up, filled with affairs, we become roommates and not passionately in love with each other. I found myself, if I continue to do that, I'll be irritable, I'll be angry, I'll be upset. And she had nothing to do with that. I'm just angry with myself because I have poor boundaries. And I had to stop and I had to repent to my wife. Repent means acknowledge, change your way of thinking. I said, babe, forgive me. For every time I didn't put you first. For every time that I acted like this was more important than you. And from there, it seems like more productive, more wisdom, and greater blessing because there's an even greater level of harmony within the house where we see things most of the time, eye to eye. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Allow God's grace and peace to be multiplied to you during this Christmas season by focusing on the finished works of Jesus Christ and all the things you're worried about, he's already provided. God loves each and every person in here with a never-ending love. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, it encourages us to cast the whole of our care on the God. And let him do the caring for us. So there may be individuals in here tonight where you, you, you felt stressed, felt worried, felt like you're just at the point of cracking, of, of giving up. You just don't know what to do. Things aren't clear, as clear as they should. Tonight is your night where you just cast the whole of that care onto him and start day by day This is a daily thing that I have to do. And say, God, being with you is the most important thing I can do today. Whatever I need, you'll provide. And so with all of our hands lifted in here tonight, this is a time of prayer and a time of looking inward and a time of examining self. And examine to see, have you truly been trusting God with every area of your life? Have you truly been trusting God on your job? Have you truly been trusting God with your projects and with your assignments? And with what he's asked you to do? And so out of your hearts, just talk to God for yourself this evening. You don't have to wait on me. You can talk to God as real as you would your best friend because he desires to be your best friend. 
and just talk to him. Ask him to help. Ask him to guide. Ask him to direct you. And as you do that, you'll begin to identify the areas that you thought you were trusting, but really you were trusting you. And you're trusting in your own ability, trusting in your grind, in your expertise. But trust him. And as you trust in his grace, the peace of God shall be manifest in your life. So, Heavenly Father, we, we pray this evening. And Lord, we're just coming to you. Everything about us, God, you see and you know. And we're asking you this evening for your help to lead us into all truth and in how we can be more like you. Our desire, Lord, is not to be busy. Come on, pray out of your mouth. Our desire is not to be busy, but to be obedient, doing what you've asked us to do. Father, we make mental adjustments right now in our minds. Anytime that we've overran anything you've asked us to do, we're trusting in your grace and your strength that comes with that grace. We know that we are blessed and we say right now that we have peace. We are in a peaceful environment. We have peaceful homes. All because you love us. believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. He is your peace. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, you feel like you're about to crack under the pressure, you feel like things aren't clear and, and you can't identify within you that you've ever asked Jesus Christ into your heart. I want to guarantee you tonight that when you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, he begins to be your peace. And that weight that you seemingly carry on your shoulder will be eradicated and will be lifted by the power of his grace. So if you're a person in here and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and a great indication is you know you have no peace.